You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it's Mark Tuminelli, and this is actually not the Little Me Podcast. If you're a listener of Little Me, then you have come to expect my joyous romps through the careers of people who have done some pretty incredible things as kids, and a ridiculous amount of content regarding the stage and film versions of Annie. Today is very different. My dear friend Blake Ross has an incredible podcast, also on the Broadway Podcast Network, called Burnt where she breaks down the Broadway disaster of the musical Rebecca. It is one of the craziest Broadway stories I have ever heard, and I was so riveted by it. So definitely check out Burnt here on uh, the Broadway Podcast Network. Since the Rebecca episodes, Blake has made, released new episodes doing these like fun Broadway deep dive stories, going into stories like Patti Lapone yelling at the photographers during Gypsy, or Jeremy Piven quitting Speed the Plow because of mercury poisoning, etc. But then Blake asked me if I wanted to join her for an episode of Burnt, and I said yes in one second because my other addiction, other than Broadway, is true crime. When I was nine, Unsolved Mysteries popped on NBC, and it was my gateway drug. That coupled with that Amy Fisher lived like a few miles from my house, it was just all too much for me to handle, and I was very hooked on true crime everything. So this week, instead of me talking about kid performers, Blake and I are going to cover a pretty horrific murder that involves a community theater star who murdered two people and still made it to the theater to perform in the community theater production of Nine. It is wild. So here's your trigger warning. If true crime is not for you, just stop here. I'll be back next week with Stacy Brass Russell, who is going to recount her story of making her Broadway debut mid-show in the OG production of Annie, and you'll love her. And I have some unbelievable little me guests coming up that fit into our normal show's mission. Thank you for indulging me on my true crime podcast dreams this week and enjoy this episode or just stop now and maybe listen to another little me episode you may have missed or any of the lovely episodes of any Broadway podcast network podcast. So now here's my episode of Burnt with the lovely Blake Ross. Hello and welcome to Burnt, a true crime podcast all about the crazy ass shit that happens on a stage. I'm your host, Blake Ross, and I'm here today with one of my favorite people. That is no hyperbole. Laughs a minute. I'm obsessed with this person. He's the owner of Broadway Workshop. He's also the host of the delightful podcast, Little Me. It's my dear, dear friend. Oh God, I love him just so much. It's Mark Tuminelli. Hi, Yay. Hi, Blake. I can't believe I'm on Burnt. It feels like it feels like a really feels special like moment. You, and you messed up and, and you have to confess your deepest, <laughs> darkest, darkest secrets. No, I I walk the straight and narrow, but I do love a crime moment. I and, know. So, yeah, Mark and I are very Mark and I are very similar people. We're one might say we are the same people. We both love Broadway. <laughs> Check. We're Check. both obsessed with cr- true crime. Check. We both love podcasts. Check. And we love the Housewives. And we love the Housewives. This is a special crossover episode because I'm also airing this on the Little Me podcast, which makes no sense for any reason because I talk to former child stars. But today we're going to talk about something really pretty wacky. Today, 
Look, this is not delightful. This is a this real is dark polar, story. This is through the looking glass. Is the opposite of delightful. opposite. So if you are, if you came to Burt more for like the funny, like ha, Patty Lapone took a New York Magazine photographer and threw her out of the theater. Ha ha, what a scandal! This this is not for you. If but I more, wanted to do this. This is my fault because yes, Blake and I is, were having dinner, and I said. You know what we have to do. Well, and no, the that's, I, okay, that's actually happened? not what happened. So what happened was we were talking about Burnt and all the crazy scandals that we talked about, the Patty Lapone of it all, the the Jeremy Piven stupid stuff, Shia LaBeouf, Rebecca, of course. And I said, Mark, has there ever been a murder in a theater? And that's when you said, Yes, I've had you know this story. So, um, yes, this is my this honestly one of my not, I don't want to say favorite true crime stories because it's so uh disgusting to say that, but the most fascinating one of the most fascinating to me is uh the man you're about to talk about. Okay, so let's jump into it again. Disclaimer this is a real true crime story, it involves the stage, it's really crazy. Um, but it's not fun. It's a real true crime story. It's crazy. It's a crazy story. So let me just get the setting out there. It's May 2010. We're in Costa Mesa, California, which is the heart of Beautiful. the OC. Gorgeous. Beautiful. The home of Vicki Gumbelson. The home of Tamara Judge. For all those Real Housewives people out there, it's <laughs> beautiful coastline. A 911 call comes in from a distraught man. Okay, what's going on, sir? There's a body in my son's apartment. There's a what? A body. A dead body. A dead body? His name is Steve Hare. He's saying, there's a dead body in my son's apartment. Can't get more blatant than that. The police arrive at the apartment of his son, a man named Sam Hare. So Sam Hare was a military, uh, a member of the military, fought in Afghanistan. He is hot as hell, um, a very good looking man. Yeah. Can I say that? Yeah. Um, he, what he did in Afghanistan is mind blowing. So during combat, they have to keep generators running in like enemy territory. And he would run out to keep the generators going like while like they were being attacked. I mean, this is like a true army hero, Sam Hare, who could get it. Um, but that's, that's the story about Sam Hare. That's, that's, yes, that, that was whose apartment this 911 call is coming in from. So Sam Hare, Afghan war veteran, they find in his apartment a body. The body is of 23-year-old Julie Kibiyushi. She's lying in Sam's bedroom. She's been shot in the back of the head. She has some writing all over her T-shirt and her pants are ripped and what appears to be some sort of sexual assault. So they ascertain from this that, and Sam is nowhere to be found, that somehow Sam is involved in this. Of course, it's his apartment, right? In the apartment, they find Julie's cell phone, which had all of these texts back and forth between her and the owner of the apartment, Sam Hare. He said, can you come over at midnight tonight alone, going out for a walk, very upset, need to talk. Please don't tell anyone, please. I need to talk to someone. This is like a succession of texts. And they're Julie. friends. They, um, Julie and Sam are not really dating, not necessarily boyfriend or girlfriend, but they are very close friends. They met uh, in, at uh, West Coast Community College. They, uh, she tutored him. 
she was this like very, very smart dancer who was uh, at community college. They met really good buddies, but they were they did not have a sexual relationship. Right. She, I think she even said in these text messages, because he was like, no sex, please. Just come over yeah. to talk. And she was like, ew, no, you're like my brother. So and he used to hang he, out at Sam's apartment all the time. Yes. So it would not have been a weird thing for her to go over there. Right. So the police ascertain from the fact that he was a war veteran and had had some aspects of PTSD, his father had said, some night issues, sleeping at night, things like that. His car is missing. His passport is missing. And now he has a body in his apartment. The police ascertain, well, let's go on a crazy manhunt for Sam Hare because he obviously killed this girl. And there's one other thing about Sam Hare that isn't covered in every documentary, which is that he had been um, questioned about a murder many years before this. Did you know this, Blake? Yeah. Well, no, not only has he been questioned, he was on trial. But he was, he was uh, acquitted. He, he was acquitted. They thought that maybe he lured someone to a location for a gang murder. But it turns out that that was not, in fact, the case where there was certainly not enough evidence. So the police now think he's a war vet. He has been on trial for murder before. Um, he is missing. His passport is missing. Uh, his, his friend that he lured to the apartment is dead. He obviously is the guy. So they put out crazy APBs for Sam go on the manhunt looking for him. While Sam is doing that, while, excuse me, while the police are out looking for him, Steve, the person who, Steve Hare, his father, who put in this 911 call, also goes out looking for Sam. Because what else do you do? Um, And his dad's like all over this investigation. And he also doesn't buy that despite all of this crazy evidence, it seems like his son had done this. He doesn't buy that his son's murderer. So he starts tracking his son's bank account, his credit card activity to try and find Sam. He finds out that his ATM card is being used in Long Beach, California, which is about 20 miles north of Costa Mesa. So he gets in his car and he drives to Long Beach and he starts scouring ATM vestibules, hotels, restaurants, just looking for Sam because he thinks something is obviously very, very wrong here. Um, While he is in Long Beach looking for Sam, he gets an alert on his phone because him and Sam shared a bank account that that shared bank account was just used in a pizza place for a pizza delivery. So Steve drives over to the pizza place and sits at the pizza place for an hour trying to and waiting for Sam to either come in or trying to find Sam at this pizza place. At the same time, the police are also doing a simultaneous investigation to try and find Sam. They also are tracking all of this uh, credit card activity. They also go to the pizza place. So this is Echo's Pizza if you're trying to find Yeah, don't, if you're going to do something bad, maybe don't order then a pizza so that the pizza can, the police can find you. But Oh, wait, back it up for one second. So before they get to the pizza parlor, they go to the bank where I love the ATM- your, That was so Long Island of you, the pizza parlor. Oh, by the way, well, burnt listeners know I'm from <laughs> Long Island and love my Long Island accent, but Mark Tumelli, no matter how many coaching sessions he does, can also not get out of his Long Islandness. okay? Well, you parlor can- is a really, Paula is a really hard Paula. word to say. Pizza Paula. Ma, pizza be at the Paula. Pizza Paula. Anyway, before you go right, to Pizza Paula, pizza Paula, they go to the ATM going. vestibule, okay? Yeah. They go to this Chase Bank, 
where they pull up the security footage thinking they're going to find Sam taking out money on the run after killing his friend. They do not. They see a boy. A 17-year-old boy named Wesley. A 17-year-old boy. They didn't know it was Wesley at the time, but they see a 17-year-old boy. So they're like, something here does not add up. Something here is amiss. So then they get the alert that the card is then being used at a pizza parlor. They go to the pizza parlor. The pizza parlor gives them the address of the pizza they were going to where they delivered the pizza. The police then SWAT team helicopters. Because they think Sam is in this house held up where the pizza is going, right? So they kind of storm in. They storm this house and who answers the phone? I mean, who answers the door but this 17-year-old boy, Wesley Freilich. I love this kid. Every, he's he's like a stoner, he's like a stoner, pimply-faced, like, typical teenager, like a Bart Simpson, like, skateboarding in every B-roll shot and every, like, Dateline or 2020 that I've watched about this. He's, like, the very, he's, like, straight out of central casting. I'm obsessed with him. Sitting in front of officers of the law, handcuffed, I'm obviously... Literally, I'm sorry, I can't say this other G-rated, but my balls are inside of me. I was shitting myself, and I was nervous as all hell. So they open this door, and there's this, like, wide-eyed teenage kid who's like, what? They storm, and they handcuffed him. So they're like, Wesley, how did you get this credit card? He's like, I got it from my friend and sometime mentor, a man named Daniel Wozniak. Now, let me jump in here really quick. Daniel Wozniak... Um, they, they know each other from doing community theater. Okay. And Wesley calls Dan a cool cat that he would like to groove with. He's a cool kind of cat that I would like to groove with. (laughs) And I don't know what that means. Like he was just like, he was his community theater mentor. Dan Wozniak was the mentor for this kid, Wesley, in community theater, which if that's not the saddest sentence that I've ever uttered, like to be someone's community theater mentor. Um, so if that's what's happening, I think it's time. To I mean, that. I'm sitting but, in a closet recording a podcast. That's yes. also a pretty sad sentence, but community theater mentor, that's, you know. He was a cool cat that he just cool wanted cat. to groove with. It's a cool cat. <laughs> what does that mean? He's a cool kind of cat that I would like to groove with. So, so Daniel wh- got this kid to like basically get money out of the ATM saying that he was helping his friend Sam get money to pay a bail bondsman. This is so getting very crazy. confusing, but it's we're going to we're going to streamline but- this for you and get it back to the theater, which is where we're going right now. So he gives this kid Wesley as you said, these credit cards says take $400 out of the ATM because we got to pay back this bail bondsman. Crazy. Um so then they f- they're like, hmm, interesting. Daniel Wozniak. They the police have heard this name before. They've spoken to Daniel Wozniak because Daniel Wozniak. They spoke to all the people that lived in the same complex that Sam Hare lived in. Daniel Wozniak was Sam Hare's downstairs neighbor. Stairs neighbor. Yeah. So they had spoken to Wozniak before, and when they spoke to Wozniak, he said, "Yes, I happen to have seen Sam the same." yesterday, which was the day that they believe that Julie was murdered, I have seen him. He was at my apartment. He left with a man in a black hat. That's all they told him. So now 
a day later, they're standing with this Wesley kid, cool, saying this cool cat, Daniel Wozniak. That he wants to groove with. That he wants to groove with. Gave him this credit card. And so they quickly rule out Wesley, of course. And now they're looking for Dan Wozniak. They... What Wozniak, as you said, was a local community theater actor. He was engaged to his co-star, another actress named Rachel Buffett. Um, and they find out quickly that Dan and Rachel have some money issues. They haven't paid their rent. They have a wedding coming up and a honeymoon and they have to pay for it and they have no money. So they start- Might I add here that the wedding invitation to Rachel and Dan's wedding is on the counter at Sam's apartment where Julie was found dead. Like that's how, that's how close this wedding was happening in the next week or two at this point. Yes. So now all alerts on Dan Wozniak, he might know something. So they call the police call Dan Wozniak and they say, look, you got to come down to the police station. We need to talk to you again. He said, nah, I'm going to my, I have my, my bachelor party tonight. I'm going to go to my bachelor party. We could talk another time, police. So the police are like, I don't think so. They drive around looking for Dan Wozniak, find him in a sushi restaurant with his buddies, having his bachelor party, cuff him and say, you're coming down. You're talking to us. Which is a pretty crazy way to exit now, your bachelor party. Throughout all the documentaries, we get to see so many uh headshots of Dan. <laughs> and I will <laughs> I want to say this for a, for a community theater actor who has no money, who lives in, you know, California, he has gorgeous headshots. He d- they he's- are chef's kiss headshots. <laughs> Like one after another of these gorgeous pictures of this man. And of course, you know, he's a community theater star because he's a boy and he's alive. And so they put him as the lead in everything. Yes. He's got quite he does a, have the repertoire. A repertoire. And he has starred as Harold Hill and the Music Man. And um, are we getting to nine yet or we have to hold for a minute? Well, we got to hold just okay. places, but, places. But, okay, we just got to hold. We're still at the place where they... <laughs> They got As him they're from the, arresting, from the yes, sushi they got buffet. him from the sushi buffet. They go to the sushi buffet. He's partying with his buddy. His last night of freedom, literally now at this point. They cuff him. Literally. And as they drag him out of the restaurant, he says, I'll tell you everything. I can't protect him anymore. I, I think maybe this guy has, he should have been like a, a soap opera writer. Well, he's Lots. certainly a pretty bad actor. He's not um, a good actor. But there's there's also all these moments where they're talking to people who did community theater with him. And this woman's like, we did arsenic together. And I'm yes. like, I love that she's like abbreviating arsenic and old lace because yes. she's in the know. Dan was in the know. They are, they're stars. Of this very small community theater. But he wasn't, we'll get into, and we'll play some of the, some of his uh, performance as Guido in Nine, which is which is going to keep of the coming back. Guys, <sighs> buckle up! You'll never see Nine the same way again. Never. So they haul this Daniel Wozniak into the Costa Mesa Police Department. He tells them that he and Sam were working on a credit card scam together. 
where they withdraw money from Sam's account and then report it to the bank as missing. He says they're doing this scam. He's, they're doing this scam, but on the night that they the police believe Julie's murdered, couldn't have been me. I was on stage playing Guido in nine. Couldn't have been me. Top of the morning to you, Guido. Guido, 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 Guido. Me, me, me. I'm starring my, I love that the reason why he could not have murdered anyone is because he was starring in the community theater production of Nine, which is hard to watch (laughs) because Nine is a really hard show to pull off. Yeah, I mean, Maury Estes didn't mess around while he was making that These women in the community theater production in old prom dresses, it's a a scene. And he is just acting with his little belly because he's a big guy he's a big i would call him a daddy bear he's a he's a he's a bigger he would classify guy as one yes and sure. i'm going to say that if i was doing a community theater show with him i would have had a little crush on him maybe maybe a larger yeah. otter or daddy bear he's no? a daddy bear okay no daddy bear. i think he's a daddy bear. anyway so as sam is telling them the police about this credit card scam story he says the morning after I played my triumphant stage production of in, in Nine, Sam comes to my apartment and he confesses to me that he shot somebody in a drug-fueled rage and you, have, you Dan Wozniak, have to help me get away with it. I said, what did you do? He's like, I got a gun. He asked me for sex. Um, he was pretty up. He said no. And then he just shot her twice in the head. And Dan's like, I wouldn't help him, but Sam told me, I'll kill you. I'll kill your wife if you don't help me. So Dan is now terrified of Sam and says, okay, I will drop you off at a shopping mall. Okay. And so the police say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You told us a couple of days ago that Sam came to your house and he left with a quote, white guy in a black hat. Dan Wozniak says, just kidding, that was a lie. Sam was my wife. Okay. Up this mystery person, just hoping that that would, you know, take the blame off me. So I, I mean, if this guy, a white guy, a lot of black people kept that, he doesn't exist. That's a lie. I apologize for that. I was okay. scared what to tell you. you. Yes. What you all need to know is that the acting that this man is giving in the interrogation is so bad. It's like, it's like someone who doesn't know improv. It's like, if you ask my mom to do improv, like it doesn't make any sense. He is. How dare you besmirch Denise's good name? No, Denise Nielsen's not going to do improv. She's, she's a prop comic. Um, so, but I'm just saying the, uh, the guy is like, all right, all right. You got me. (laughs) <laughs> I made up the guy with the black hat. What do you want me to do about it? It's like, it's what do you a, want me a to say, he, officer? He's like, I'll do whatever as long as I can get to my wedding, okay? And they're like, you are a terrible actor. Like one detective after another is like, this guy is the worst actor we've ever seen. Like we interrogate people all the live long day and we've never seen acting this bad from a guy who's a professional actor who thinks he's going to like pull one, he's pull the wool singing over everyone's eyes. Krupke. <laughs> He's like, I'm Guido. Um, I'm going to that. Also, I think we need to mention that his soon to be wife, um, Rachel, is also starring as Carla in yes. this same production of Nine. And you will be my true love. 
We'll get, get to her. her. We're going to we'll get, get to Rachel Buffet in a minute. Yes. But is it Buffet okay. or is it Buffett? It's Buffett. But when Which people I thought have- was interesting because Dan Wozniak and Rachel Buffett, they have both names. Like it's like Steve Wozniak and Warren Buffett. Did you not? Did yeah, that they, all, they have yeah, they have some interesting names. So they're in the interrogation and he <laughs> keeps changing his story. It's like huge differences. And then be like, just kidding. I lied about that. But this yeah. I'm telling you the truth about. And it goes on and on forever. Do you want to jump to the swab? So finally, the police are like, okay, no more messing around. We need to get a DNA swab to eliminate you as a suspect. So Dan consents to this Because he's DNA a dip, swab. dipshit. He doesn't understand how DNA works. Yes. So let's get So they take his DNA. And then like five seconds later, they're like, we're not going to find your DNA on Julie, are we? And he's like, no, 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 no. You won't. You won't. Definitely not on Julie. But I, I, I was in Sam's apartment, so you might find it in Sam's apartment. So again, the story. He's keeps like, I used the bathroom. I think I went out to the patio. Like it's just he is now. It's a totally different, totally different story. story. So they're like, okay. So then you were in the apartment. So finally, they bring in another cop, and they're like, this. Now we're gonna do the good cop, bad cop routine, and they're like. We're going to, the bad cops, like, we are going to, you're under arrest for accessory to murder. You got to tell us everything that you know. And he was like, and he says the line that everyone is thinking, but it's like the worst thing you can say to an actor. He said, you're not that good of an actor, Dan. Dan, you got the answers. You can help us. I don't know what else you want me to say. I don't know. I don't know. Tell us the truth. You're not that good of an actor. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, he's really not that good. He's really not. So finally, they bring in the fiance. This is where we get to Rachel Buffett, Buffet, however you want to say her name. They bring her in, his co-star of nine. And they're like, tell Rachel what the real story is. And he sticks to this whole story about Sam um, and him and this credit card scheme and Sam, him helping Sam clean up the murder that Sam did. And she's very cold. She's kind of just asking him these rote questions, but she's not like, wait, you, what? You, you helped our friend with a murder? Like what in the hell? She kind of was just like, okay. And then you did what? And then she was very, so there, so now the antennas are coming up about Rachel too, but first they got to get this out of this big bear daddy. So they send Rachel away and they're like, Dan, we found your DNA on Julie's body. Now, now anybody <laughs> who has ever watched one episode of Dateline yeah. Your grandmother knows that DNA does not come back that quickly. No. If you're Great. if you're on the Reels channel or Oxygen quite frequently as I am, you know that you're not just gonna swab a person's thing and then be like, well, DNA doesn't work like that. But Dan, Dan is a community theater actor. He doesn't have time. He's to he's very watch busy Dateline. getting off book for arsenic. Yeah. To um <laughs> To be able to watch a good Dateline, a good Dateline like I like. He doesn't know. I'm just saying. So they took him of the DNA. They're like, we know your, then why is your DNA on Julie? So then he's like, and we're going to play this clip right now. What did you see? I saw two gunshots in her head. 
I saw her pants like ripped and cut. And I saw like you written on the back of the shirt. Where were the two bullet wounds? I don't know. Sam said he shot her twice. Okay. And but you I just, saw, I you saw, just, I didn't see, you just told us you saw two bullet wounds. You were standing no, no, on no, 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 okay. Whoa, 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 okay. stop. Okay. How did your DNA get on? I was standing over the body. I saw two bullet wounds to her head. You can't even keep your lies straight. He says, because I was right over the body. I saw two bullets in her head. Sam said he shot her twice. I saw the writing on her shirt. So he then changes the story again and says he actually did see Julie's body when he was in Sam's apartment. So now the police are like, this guy has something to do with this. They start really grilling him. The police say, we have your DNA on this girl's body. He admits to now being over the body. I saw her. They're like, that's not the way DNA works. Don't just fall off your body and get onto a murder victim. That's not how any of this works. Dan is like completely clams up and goes back to his cell after hours of interrogation. While he is back in his cell, he calls the fiance that he had just spoken to a couple hours earlier, Rachel Buffett. They have a conversation. And even though she's like, dude, they're recording us. He Well, the big thing that it gets revealed in that conversation is she goes, your brother just told me he has a bag full of evidence that you gave him. And I'm going to tell the police about it. And he's like, don't do that. Wait, not (laughs) only did he give his brother a bag full of evidence. He said, here, his brother's name is Tim. He said, Tim. Take this bag of evidence and get rid of it. This is how smart this family is. So Tim says, okay, I'm going to get rid of the bag of evidence by throwing it over the fence in my parents' house. Because if I throw it over the if I throw it over the fence in my parents' house and it lands on the other side of the fence, it's gone. I've gotten rid of it. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. So the brother tells Rachel, I have this bag of evidence. And so Dan's like, if you go to the police with that, I'm done for. I didn't murder anybody. My mom's working on canceling all the wedding plans now. And I just talked to Tim and I need to make a phone call to the detective now. Why? Tim says he has evidence with him, or, or he knew where it was or something. Then I'm doomed. And everything sounds like Norma Desmond at the end. Like this guy, is his line readings in his he life says, are so disingenuous. Rachel, yes? you're never going to see me again for the rest of your life. 
But that sounds, that's too good. That's too good. Rachel. Babe, um, listen to me. Um, I'm going to go do something right now. And you're not going to see me for the rest of your life. You ain't never going to see me again for the rest of your life. It's almost like the emphasis is on the wrong words. Like when I work with a six-year-old. Like, well, that's not the most important word in this sentence, is it? So Rachel, to her credit, he starts unrolling and this confession and she he's like basically you can ascertain what it is i have to tell the truth of what i did i think you know what it is it's bad imagine the worst and that's what i did trust me please i have to tell the truth on what i did and i think you now know what it is and it's bad imagine the worst and that's what i did you're never gonna see me again so they're talking through and basically he admits it to her. And she says, I'm going to tell the cops. And she does, to her credit. She tells the cops they find this bag of evidence and in it is pay dirt. It's Sam's bank information. It's his His passport. bloody clothes. All the, it's the bloody all clothes. The clothes that shell casings. It's like if you wanted to basically bag up. Dan Wozniak killed this man and put it in a bag, gave it to his brother, and the brother got, quote, rid of it by throwing it over a fence. So he's like, I love you, baby, to his girlfriend. I got, I'm i going to go confess to murder. So, so after 14 hours, he is back in the interrogation room, and he admits everything in also the most dramatic line readings of all time. The line was... I'm crazy, and I killed Sam, and I killed Julie. You said you wanted to talk to me. What's going on? I'm crazy, and I did it. You did what? I killed Julie, and I killed Sam. Okay. All right. We're still both. All right. It's all about the money. Sam is decapitated. He's at the military base. He's at the theater. He's at the theater. He confesses to the murder. He also confesses to decapitating Sam, dismembering him. And parts of it are in the theater and parts of it he scattered in a nearby park. And the detective asks him, what was going on in your mind as you were dismembering your friends? And he says, I was smiling and laughing. And then he starts this maniacal laugh. And your motive behind uh, uh, killing Sam was? Money and insanity. Money and insanity. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure as his performance as like a crazy serial killer or whatever he thought was like his line reading at that point. But it's so creepy. It's so weird. He starts telling the police the story. and. He basically, after killing Sam, well, let's start from the story, the beginning of the story. He lures Sam into a theater at a military base. He says, I have to move some stuff. This is the Liberty, is it this is the Liberty Theater? Yes, at a military okay. base. He's go they go up to an attic to move some things as Sam is bending down to help pick up something that Dan is. They're in like the prop up. shop. Yes. Yes. He shoots Sam. Sam doesn't die right away and asks him for help. And he shoots him again to make sure Ugh. he's dead. Ugh, it's horrible. Then after killing Sam, 
he goes to another theater. He's a man of several theaters and goes on for the triumphant role of Guido in Nine with the girlfriend. So after killing somebody, he then washes up and goes to the theater to go. Perform as Guido in the community theater production of Nine. Now, I couldn't do a show if I didn't sleep for 14 hours the night before. I cannot imagine in a million years a world where you, what kind of level of psychopath you have to be to be able to like sing a Moriestan score after murdering your upstairs neighbor. And they have footage of it. It's like not it's like nothing phased him. It's crazy. I mean, but the then, show does look that, very janky. Mark, besides the janky performance, I mean, it's not it's not probably stage performance, but it's it's pretty okay. But besides that, during intermission, he hatches this plan. How am I going to get away with this murder? Okay, I have Sam's cell phone. He hatches this plan during intermission to text Julie, Sam's friend. To get her, to lure her to Sam's apartment after the show so that he can then use Julie's murder as a cover-up for Sam's murder, right? So he sends these texts during intermission, sending these texts to Julie, sets the stage to help him get out of the murder that he just committed. Now, why did he murder Sam in the first place? For the $62,000 in the account Sam had um, had saved all his military money, and Dan and could not pay that. for his wedding. He was broke as a joke. He had no job. He had he was about to get evicted, and he had a wedding, and he had to pay for a honeymoon. And so the the his his get out of jail free card was that I can kill my this guy I kind of know, steal the money from his account, make it look like he took it and ran away, and uh, pay for my honeymoon. Which is truly disgusting. And then, so not only does he kill his friend for the money, then he stages this and kills another person and stages that to try and cover up the crime. So the next day, after triumphant performance in Guido, killing his friend, triumphant performance in Guido, then that evening he kills Julie. He then goes back to the military base theater attic. He dismembers his friend's body. And then he goes on to perform another show and goes to the cast party afterwards. Total insanity crazy. Goes to the cast party. And like, there are all these photos of him having a good time, drinking in his Across the Universe t-shirt, which is like, where do you get that from? Um, But it is so wild to imagine like... (laughs) what his day was. And then just performing in nine, going to a cast party, dismembering somebody, killing someone. And then like performing it, again. It's crazy. It's wild. It it's is really wild. So wild situation. let's get to the fiance, Rachel Buffett. Buffet, right. if, if you will. <laughs> Rachel was also an actress and she was also a Disneyland princess. Blonde hair, Do you know what, what did she play at Disneyland? Do I know? don't. Do you know? She I looks like she a played, Rapunzel to me. I would say or like this, is Elsa, this is pre-Rapunzel, maybe, wasn't it? I mean, pre-Tangled. So I think she was probably, um, she was probably like Aurora. Cinder- 
Or Cinderella. And maybe Cinderella. Your basic Cinderella. Basic. She was pretty basic. She but, looks kind of like she'd be more like a princess at Adventureland. Sure. Or if like you're a, from Farmingdale. Or like a Six Flags Great Adventure October <laughs> Scarefest. Yes, that's that's exactly right. But Rachel, the the one-time Disneyland princess, also co-star of the great performance of Community Theater and Nine, the police start suspecting, wait, something's up with her because she didn't we get a call they get a call from a man named Chris Williams, also a performer of the area. He's a jazz musician. He calls as this news starts spreading that Dan Wozniak killed these people. Chris Williams goes to the police and he says, the morning that Julie was murdered, I was in Dan's house with Dan, his fiance, Rachel, and Sam was there too. Now the police are like, wait, what? Both Dan and Sam never mentioned, I mean, sorry, both Dan and Rachel never mentioned this. So they talk to Chris Williams and Chris Williams says, I also loaned money to Dan and Rachel. And because I wanted the money back, like it was a loan, it was not just giving them money. Because I wanted the money back, I told them, although this wasn't true, this guy seems a little shady too, but whatever. He's like, I told them that this money is not mine. It's from a guy with connections. So make sure you give me the money back in a prompt manner because, you know, something bad might happen to you if you don't give me the money right away. So... Chris goes to their apartment and says, I kind of need my money back. And while he's there with Dan and Rachel, Dan says, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go get your money for you. You stay here. So Chris is suspecting that he's going to be there for a couple minutes. Dan's maybe just going to take some money out of the bank. He ends up sitting there for three hours with Rachel Buffett. He says while Rachel, while he's there with Rachel, she's very agitated. She's looking for jobs at topless bars. Like clearly this couple has some deep, deep money issues. Three hours go by. I don't know why this Chris Williams decided to stay there, but three hours go by. He's still there. Dan comes back. He's a wreck. He's acting really nervous. He's almost hyperventilating. He takes 400 bucks. He throws it down on the table and says, here's your money. Right? When Rachel gets questioned by police a day prior, she doesn't tell them anything about Chris. In fact, she also told the same lie about Sam coming to their apartment and leaving with that white guy, the black hat lie. So they're like, Rachel's also lying. So something is something's up with her too. So they bring Rachel back in. And they and also a very eerie recording of her statement to police this this girl like I don't again also don't know if she's acting or what but she's like very matter of fact very calm while she's relaying all these things and they're like why Rachel why did you lie to us about the man in the black hat she said she was afraid that of Chris's mafia's connection she didn't want to say anything she was afraid that like if she said something about Chris that you know the mafia would be after her or something like that crazy. But she insists that even though I lied to you, I know nothing about the crime. They give her a voice analyzer test, which those things are not admissible in court. Um, And I don't know why anyone ever submits to them, but they come back and they're like, your voice, your voice analyzer slash uh, 
lie detector test came back as deceptive. You're some, there's something you're not telling us. So they arrest her for being an accessory after the fact. She's now lied to police twice, one about the man with the hat and two about Chris Williams. Um, while she's getting ready for her trial, she goes on a crazy media tour, including a stop at Dr. Phil with Sam Hare's father, Steve. Which is uh, a wild scene to watch. Like these, crazy. he's she like, can you date- please stop talking about my son? Can you please, he like just begs her to stop doing press. But because of how much these people are hurting and they think that I had anything to do with that, it's bringing up a lot of pain for me. And I guess that's why I don't want to wait for it to go through court. I'm so happy that it will so they can see that I had nothing to do with it. But I want some sort of healing, or at least for them to just know that I didn't have anything to do with their pain before that. Do you believe she belongs in prison? Yes. Yes, I do. And if she truly feels for the family, I would appreciate her stopping trying to get other... uh, I'd appreciate if she doesn't give any more interviews until the courts. Yeah, of course. But he is just like the sweetest man who, you know, is dealing with the most unthinkable thing of having his, not only his son murdered, but, you know, for all of that time that they thought that his son was a murderer. It's like, it's so, it's so wildly unfair to this man that she is going everywhere to talk about. Horrible, horrible. But she goes on this media tour. She goes on Dr. Phil. She goes on Dateline. She's starts proclaiming her innocence and she starts building this story of blaming that, you know, blaming Dan that he is this psychopath, which clearly he is. Besides the fact that he's a horrible actor, he's obviously a psychopath. His trial, his defense attorneys are blaming her, saying she is the mastermind behind all of this, that she kept pressuring Dan about the money of it all and that she was knew about the murders. And not only that she knew about the murders, that she helped lure Julie to the apartment um, because her and Julie were friends. Rachel and Julie were friends. So they're painting this picture that Rachel is not the Disney princess that she proclaims that she is. The prosecution during Dan's trial, it's very, it's the most clear cut. Besides his confession, he's literally, this guy is not, this guy's a dum-dum. He's literally Googling how to kill someone quickly and how to hide a body. His brother testified him against court. Like it it was just a crazy trial. And within an hour, they come back that he's guilty. It's very clear that this guy is a crazy sociopath. The prosecution shows him having Google searches on how to kill someone quickly, how to hide a body. I mean, folks, I don't advocate for killing anybody, of course. But if you're going to, please do not Google how to do it first. There's ways no, to go- You know this. what? If you're going to kill someone, Google it. Write it down on a, a piece of paper really hard so that even if you rip the page, it's on the next page. Yeah. Do do all the things so we can find you. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. That's, Don't that's tell the people right to be good take. murderers. I guess. And actually, I you know, criminals are generally pretty stupid. That is probably. That is yeah. Point. And don't give it to your brother who then is going to take the backpack and just throw it over. the. And then also, like, exist. don't do nine. Also, who does nine? Yeah. I mean, do an all-male Sweeney Todd at least. Oh, yeah, because that's going to happen at a community theater. Blake, have you been to a community theater audition ever? Because I'm going to tell you that there are three guys there and none of them (laughs) have any talent. So 
very, very quickly, Dan Wozniak gets convicted of murder. In, in one a, of within the within fastest- an hour. Yeah, an hour, it only took an hour for the jury to come back to uh, convict him of murder, which is one of the shortest times a jury was out in American history on a, a murder trial. Sentenced to death. Two years later, Rachel Buffett goes on trial, charged with lying to the police. Um, you know, the question of the trial is, did she help Wozniak get away with murder or did she just help or did she really help police by helping to get his confession? The big thing that's reiterated is the fact that she, she lied so many times. What we find out during the trial, this is the really, like, makes me really creepy, creeps out part, is that we find out that Rachel, when Chris Williams, the jazz singer, comes to their apartment asking for the money, and Dan goes out with Sam to then do what Dan does, Rachel, Chris gives, gets it to $400 from Dan after he does all this stuff. He gives, he feels so badly that Rachel and Dan, that Dan is clearly very upset. They're clearly having a lot of money problems. Chris feels really badly and gives them a 20 and says, have dinner tonight. Like clearly you're having a lot of money problems. He gives them a 20 and says, here, buy yourself some dinner tonight. Drives away. Moments later, he gets a call back from Rachel and she says, come back. You forgot your $20. And he said, no, I left that for you to get some dinner tonight. And she's like, no, no, no. I think you should come back to get your $20 and really starts trying to convince him to come back to get his $20. He doesn't go back, of course, and goes on to tell police about all this, but he believes that Rachel was trying to lure him back to their apartment so that they could also get rid of Chris Williams. So because he was obviously a big part of this and saw Sam and saw Dan and saw Rachel that day. So he believes that they were trying to kill him too. That's what the police told me. They said, if you would have gone back that day, they wanted to kill you. So I don't know if she's so innocent in all this, but of course, but she wasn't because she was found guilty. She was found guilty of accessory after the fact. She was sentenced to 32 months in jail. I mean, it's all, uh, it's crazy. The only reason why I don't think she knew that, uh, that Dan killed Sam was because, um, in that jailhouse call, he kind of admits, and it does really sound like she does not know that information because I don't know why he would say it on that call. It all is quite crazy, but she does get found guilty, and um, he's he is on death row. But then Gavin Newsom put a recently put a moratorium on the death penalty in California, so I think he moved jails. But he's away for at least life. He's he's away for life, but they just moved him into like a very nice jail. Like the example is like from a Motel Six to like a Regent Hotel. Like they he's staying in a much a nicer jails. Yes. He's saying in a much nicer jail. And of course the families of Julie and Sam are outraged about it, that he should have the word. I mean, this is like, this is a sick, sick individual. He but should not still, have an he's easy denying time. denying that he's still blaming this all on Rachel and denying that he had anything. He did like a CNBC lockup show. I know. I have not watched bars. that yet. I haven't watched it either, but he does it. And he's like, uh, I saw clips from it. He's like reading a Bible and he's like oh, very Jesus. much, you know, again, playing the part of like, you know, 
a, a saint. Um, but it's all, it was just so crazy. And, and that is the story of Daniel Wozniak and Rachel Buffett. It's a crazy and wild story. It's really sad and wild. But the fact that Dan Wozniak killed two people, dismembered one, and went on to play Guido in nine, it just blows the mind. It boggles the mind, Mark. It boggles the mind. And I have to like just say something really sweet about um, June, who is Julie's mom, who just sort of like broke my heart through every interview. I mean, that is like, you know, to see a mom sort of have to talk about her daughter like that is just, um, just so heartbreaking. And she this was guy murdered purely for a cover up. This guy thought he was some kind of criminal mastermind and he was the exact, he was such a dipshit, like I mean, real big dumb dumb. And also for, the first page of the Wikipedia says Dan Wozniak is a former American community theater actor. Ugh. And that is the saddest. That is also very sad that the last, the thing you have on your Wikipedia is. Well, that it says, it does say Daniel Wozniak, quote, murderer. A former American community theater actor. Yeah, to be a former American community theater actor. I guess I'm a former American community theater actor. Blake, were you ever in a community theater show? I I was. I was in a community theater production of Runaways. Where do no, people could, go when I they I just run can't away? imagine you murdering someone and then going to do the no, matinee. No, that I it's, couldn't do. It's truly gross. Um, I hope he rots in jail. And, uh, you know, that, uh, that Rachel Buffett ain't much better, but... Well, she's if not, not going to have a good time. In yes. Life. If this story at all intrigued you and you want to do an even deeper dive, there's a great podcast called Sleuth. It does a multi-episode deep dive into this case, deep dive into Dan Wozniak, deep dive into Rachel Buffett. Neither one of them sound these great people. Um, and it also talks to um, Steve Hare, who's Sam's father, who had a lot to leading the police to the pizza parlor, pizza parlor, to get all this information. So if you, if this at all interests you after hearing Mark and I rattle on about it for an hour, go listen to Sleuth. Um, what a crazy story. Crazy, crazy story. Right? Hey, Blake, crazy. if you could solve any unsolvable crime, what would it be? Like probably Al Capone. Like where is he? Where is he really? Geraldo. Okay. Where is he really? And what happened to him? I would think that's like the classic case why what would you what would you I mean I want to know what happened with John Bonet would have to be my number one and then um my number two uh Amy Lynn Bradley I don't know if anyone knows the story she disappeared from a, a basically Royal Caribbean cruise ship and there's all this footage of her and then she's literally in the morning she's gone and they don't know if she got thrown off the boat they don't know um, the cruise I, ship murders are crazy I'm cruise sorry ship murders but- are I'm obsessed with cruise ship murders. Maybe you want to just do a whole podcast about cruise ship murders? <laughs> cruise ship yeah, crimes? I mean, It'll be called cruise ship crimes. There's some crazy ass shit that happens on a cruise ship. Yeah, you got to be careful there. But John Bonet, I want to know what happened to her, but that's right. not for this. That's not for podcast. Today. Blake, you're kill you're killing it legitimately. 
Um, congratulations but on not, the success of your not not really not really. Congratulations <laughs> on the success of your incredible theater podcast. Thank you, Mark. Um, I my was, dear, dear friend. I was riveted with each episode, and um, I can't wait till you dive into whatever your next Broadway crime is. Thank you, and go listen if you want some a little levity, a little yeah. palate cleanser after <laughs> listening to this terrible story. Go listen to Little Me. It's a laugh a minute. It's great, and you'll learn a lot of things. Thanks for joining us, Mark. I love you. Love you. Blakey. I love you very much. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. For sources and more information on the Rebecca scandal, visit bpn.fm slash BERT. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.